0: Contact discovery is a core feature in popular mobile messaging apps such as WhatsApp, Signal, and Telegram that lets users grant access to their address books in order to discover which of their contacts are on that messaging service. While contact discovery is critical for WhatsApp, Signal, and Telegram and other apps to function properly, privacy concerns arise with the current methods and implementations of this feature potentially resulting in the exposure of a range of sensitive information about users and their social circle. Do we really need to rely on sharing every phone number on our phone in order for mobile messengers to be usable? What are the privacy risks and do better cryptographic alternatives exist for managing that data? Joining us are researchers looking exactly into this problem who will tell us more about their interesting results. Christoph Hagen is a multidisciplinary researcher, engineer, and programmer. After finishing a double-degree international master's program in aerospace science and technology, he worked on mobile messenger privacy at the University of Wurzburg. He he continues this topic as an independent researcher while working as a systems engineer for a high-altitude solar drone at the German Aerospace Center in Brunswick, Germany. Hello, Christoph.
1: Hi. Good to be here.
0: Cool. Good to have you. Um, We're also joined by Christian Weinert. Uh, Christian Weinert is a final year PhD student at the Cryptography and Privacy Engineering Group and Crypto at TU Darmstadt in Germany. His research focuses mainly on the design, implementation, and evaluation of practical private set intersection protocols for privacy-preserving applications. For his works on mobile private contact discovery, he received the German IT Security Award in 2020. Hello, Christian.
2: Glad to be here.
0: Thank you so much for joining the show. And finally, we also have Alexandra Dmitrienko. She is an associate professor at the University of Wurzburg in Germany, where she is heading the Secure Software Systems Research Group. Before taking her current faculty position in 2018, she worked for about 10 years in renowned security institutions in Germany and in Switzerland, Rural University Bochum, Fraunhofer Institute for Information Security in Darmstadt, and ETH Zurich. She holds a PhD degree in security and information technology from TU Darmstadt, and her PhD dissertation focused on security and privacy, of Mobile Systems and Applications. Today, her research interests focus on various topics on secure software engineering, system security and privacy, and security and privacy of mobile, cyber, physical, and distributed systems. Hello, Alexandra.
3: Hello, Nadim. Nice to be here.
0: Okay. I am very excited to have you all here. This is a paper that I think should have been written a long time ago, and the reason for that is that it addresses a bunch of... Assumptions that people have had. Everyone's assumed that uh, this part of secure messengers was never really fully up to snuff or 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 well considered. Um, and there's always been a sense of awkwardness on how you know this is a secure messaging. These are secure messaging systems that we're talking about, but all of them rely on harvesting our phone numbers. Um, WhatsApp, for example, uh, just copies your entire address book up to WhatsApp servers. And so not only are you disclosing your phone number to the service itself, but also to everyone else you're speaking to, and also in some cases disclosing everyone else's phone numbers that you have on your device. And um, of course this is, you know, in, in a sense the devil's advocate could say that you kind of need that because you no know, phone numbers are already a identifier that everyone is familiar with and you can build an easy to use and intuitive service by sort of piggybacking on top of uh, an existing well-known identifier such as a phone number um, but as as you showed in your paper this can come at a significant cost to the effective privacy of all of these services signal uh, whatsapp telegram and so on so tell me what inspired you to look at this problem in the first place uh christoph
1: Yeah, so I I think it started with me um, being at the University of Würzburg and looking at topics um, of interest. And... um You've already said that my background was in originally in um, aerospace uh, science, um, but uh, during that, my master's degree, I already started looking at all these uh, cryptographic protocols, uh, end-to-end encrypted uh, things. Uh, I looked at Signal, and uh, so I think this is what, what prompted me to look into this direction more and uh, then look into the the field of private contact discovery. That uh, That's the focus of our paper. And... Um, initially i was interested in um the uh, one part of it which is like how do you not reveal your contacts to the service while still being able to um to do this contact matching and this is uh, what we call uh, private set intersection protocols um and during that uh actually just by accident i was i was stumbling upon uh um an, an api that someone had written which was uh Um, public on github um, which allowed you to do this uh, kind of contact discovery on whatsapp um, basically on your computer uh, not through the official whatsapp um, applications but but just through a script Uh, and this guy then uh, said uh, he was asked in this in this forum um, did you actually notice any uh, rate limiting any maximum number of contacts that you can actually check with this and uh, the guy replied that i i haven't seen any so I've I've never noticed any restrictions, and I, I thought like how how is this possible? I mean there, there should be some, right? And so that that basically got me into uh, looking into this a bit more and and testing it out, um, and and that's then when uh, Alexandra involved um, uh, Christian and uh, his uh, research team because they focus on these uh, private set intersection protocols, and so this was a very good match, uh, and that's that when we started exploring all of this in in more detail.
0: I can see that you benefited from that because um, when I'm reading the test setup section, I noticed that you were able to just load 60,000 phone numbers into WhatsApp. And this was the way that you checked those numbers. And it's that was one of my questions. So you you faced no rate limiting uh, circumstances when when opening WhatsApp on Android and loading 60,000 contacts.
1: Yes, so, so this was the, the approximate limit that we tested. Um, so initially, um, I thought this, this rate limit must be much lower. I, I was thinking of uh, it being in, in like the low thousands. Um, but, but this is what the, the 60,000 contacts per day was something that we could reliably do over, over multiple weeks, um, 60,000 new contacts every day, which um, at least to me looked um, unreasonably high.
0: So were you able to discover um, just the, the phone numbers of people on on those services? Like who's using what service? Or was there other, you know, identifying information that maybe in some cases you were able to discover? Like who's talking to who or, or who has who on their um, address book? Like, can you just know that I'm on Telegram or can you also know that I'm on Telegram and I have such and such in my address book, for example?
1: Um, so... Um, if we're talking about, so in general, um, the, the one thing that's always visible uh, with these um, um, contact discovery protocols is, is that you're registered with the service because that's its main functionality, right? It's, it's supposed to show you that, that you're registered if you're in my contacts. Um, and then what kind of information is being exposed um, about each user depends heavily on, on the service, uh, Signal, for example, uh, barely exposes any information about uh, the registered users that you can actually get from this contact discovery requests. Um, and for for WhatsApp and Telegram, there's some information that's being revealed. In general, it's not possible to, uh, for me to see which of the contacts uh, you have uh, so it, it's not possible to see which contacts you have just by by looking you up on any service but what i can discover is uh, anything that you make public on this uh, on the service so for whatsapp that includes a public profile picture it includes um, this about text uh, depending on your privacy settings of course and on telegram there's actually um, a lot more information available about you there's uh, uh, there's it, it not just one profile picture but actually um, up to a hundred and uh, then there's also this metadata things like uh, groups we have in common um, and some other not, not as important things maybe we, we don't go into too much detail here um But so so there's in general, there's a lot of information that that you may reveal about yourself without uh, actually realizing to whom you're revealing it, because you sort of assume that uh, this is being revealed to your friends because your friends have you in the address book, but you might actually be revealing it to basically anyone who's interested. And I think that's something that's that's not clear to a lot of users how how easy it is to to get this information.
0: Well, in the case of Telegram, you've mentioned that you're also able to retrieve information about phone numbers that are not registered with Telegram. So what did you mean by that? So that's, um,
1: that's, uh, that was especially surprising because um, there's, there's a, sp- a specific feature that's called the import account. And uh, for, for users that are registered, this just returns zero. But for for any phone number that you have in your address book that's not registered with Telegram, this uh, can give you um, the number of Telegram users that have this specific number in the address books. Um, And this is this is being used um, to basically show who of your friends would benefit from registering with Telegram because they have a lot of uh, um, people also on Telegram. But what it actually does uh, in our case for an attacker is that it shows you that this is a number that's probably actively used because a lot of people have it in their contacts and a lot of people um, uh, are registered with Telegram that uh, that connect to this number and what we've seen is that if you take these numbers that have a non-zero import account on Telegram, that they're actually very likely to, for example, be registered on WhatsApp because they're just li- more likely to be uh, actively used phone numbers.
0: Um, so and- can I can I see who has that phone number in their address book? Or do I just see that this phone number appears in, in 20 address books? Uh,
1: you only see um, how many people have it in the address books.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Um, okay, so you do you do mention in the paper, and maybe I should be asking someone else this question, um, that you you do mention that it's impossible to fully solve this problem. So this is this is something that you admit, and so this is a difficult problem to solve. It's it's not exactly the case that you know uh, Signal and WhatsApp and, and Telegram are just being overly negligent all the time. Um, But there are some potential sort of mitigations that are applied by these uh, tools. So WhatsApp is very close source and also uploads your entire address book, just copy pastes it into Facebook servers, which has many problems uh, in its own right. Um, But you mentioned that Signal, according to the source code, uses something called leaky bucket, leaky bucket as a mitigation uh, strategy. So, what is leaky bucket? How does that work and what does it try to uh, do? Uh, Alexandra.
3: So, leaky bucket is a concept which helps to dynamically define uh, rate limits. Uh, rate limits are, in first place, uh, needed to mitigate the scrolling attacks. And the leaky bucket uh, makes uh, the rate limit uh, more dynamic. So, it is not, for example, a 60. Uh, thousand users per day but you can define certain uh, amount and then uh, uh, whenever the crawling happens then uh, the leaky bucket is going to uh, get smaller so to say so if you imagine kind of bucket which is filled with, uh, with numbers when you do crawling you so to say empty that and when you stop crawling then over the time it is going to be full again and this helps to to know to have a more effective um, uh, rate limiting um, uh, strategy because fixed uh, uh, fixed restrictions uh, they are less flexible and they may uh, cause of course false positives and by that it, they can affect user uh, usability aspects and this leaky bucket concept uh, helps to make it uh, you know more dynamic and allow in certain cases. Uh, uh, yeah, enforce stricter uh, limits without uh, having negative usability effects.
0: So aside from the leaky bucket approach, were you able to find any similarly sort of like, uh, I don't want to say complex necessarily, but like well-specified, well-reasoned approach uh, with WhatsApp or with Telegram? Um, I see that with Telegram here, um, at least... You know with whatsapp we we don't we don't actually know what they're doing, do we? like with telegram, we know that there's some sort of rate limiting, but with whatsapp it seems that the picture remained a bit opaque, right um so here's here's another question though, so I remember that early in the in the days of signal they used something called bloom filters uh and there's an optimization on that recently um um called cuckoo filters, and this is basically a way to uh, do this kind of hashing that um, allows you to query a, a some kind of data structure for a number uh, without revealing the kind of numbers that are within that structure. And that could, um, in, so, in some cases, lend to a false positives, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but I think that that rate can be reduced significantly. Is there a reason why they're not using this? Um, and also, maybe maybe it doesn't work at all. Like Maybe it's completely irrelevant to this use case.
3: Generally, um, maybe
0: Christoph can Maybe Christian can
3: go ahead, (laughs)
2: yes. Yeah, so uh, regarding Signal, they um, previously used this kind of um, hashing-based protocol for contact discovery where they hash each phone number that is stored in the user's address book, then upload these hashes to the server. The server hashes every entry in the user database and then compares these hash values. And for this, I think they uh, used a truncated SHA-1 hash, But as we also show in our paper, these hashing-based protocols are severely insecure for hiding phone numbers because we can show that any such hash value can be reversed basically on the fly um, by using different kind of techniques. So in our paper, we study... Um, large scale in-memory databases where you can basically look up uh, the hash of a phone number in like 0.1 millisecond we study brute force attacks um, where our newest results show that you can go through the entire mobile phone number space in 100 seconds and we also study like optimized rainbow table constructions um, for uh, where attackers with consumer create hardware can reverse these hashes so this kind of approach used by signal was not really secure they have now a kind of technology preview deployed that is based on intel sjx where the um, contact discovery is performed inside a secure enclave and maybe alexandra can later comment on the state of security of intel sjx um, but what we also discuss in our paper are cryptographic um, private set intersection protocols that might be uh, a viable alternative uh, for these insecure approaches and uh, the general flaw of such a flow flow of such a protocol is that the service provider would encrypt user database put that encrypted user database in a probabilistic data structure like a bloom filter or cuckoo filter then ship these uh, filters uh, to the client side. The client side would then run an oblivious pseudo random function. Um, so it's basically doing an interactive protocol with the service provider to receive encryptions of the um, address book entries and then compare uh, these uh, encryptions to what is stored in the plume or cuckoo filter. However, there's the big. Uh, problem that if you consider services like whatsapp that have over a billion registered users then even these uh, compressed bloom or cuckoo filters get so large that it's uh, kind of unreasonable to deploy at the moment so we actually contacted a signal about uh, deploying private set intersection protocols and uh, as we show in our paper they currently have about 2.5 million mobile uh, numbers registered in the u.s so if you restrict the user database just uh, to the u.s then they have uh, such a cuckoo filter would have uh, a size of about eight to ten megabytes and we say that could be reasonable to deploy but what signal says is that um, they already consider like growing to a user base of like one billion users and they are not They don't want to make any compromises in uh, privacy because if you say i have now a contact uh, not in the us but in let's say germany then you also need to request the Plume filter or cuckoo filter for germany and uh, you have all these kind of different trade-offs so they just say um, this um, network traffic that you need to deploy these private set intersection protocols is currently not doable and uh, so they just do not consider this approach at the moment
0: well Every time Signal recently has looked at solving this type of problem, they've always looked at Intel SGX. It seems that like 90% of Signal is built on Intel SGX on the back end when it comes to stuff like group chat, metadata, uh, contact metadata. There's always a new blog post on the Signal blog every couple of months. We have done such and such using Intel SGX. And so um, is that is that, you know, like, so... Signal Signal is, is the kind of service that receives a lot of attention from law enforcement sometimes, and they do something really cool, which is that they have a very um, user-focused, uh, privacy-focused stance to these things. They work with the ACLU and other organizations to deal with these requests, and they publish them openly. Um, I'm not an Intel SGX expert, but from, from my point of view, there is one tiny problem with SGX before we get into the technical details, which is that we are basically trusting Signal to be using Intel SGX. Like from, from my point of view as a, as a Signal user, sure, I mean, Signal does obtain attestations from Intel, right, regarding uh, whether a, a SGX operation did occur. But from my side, I don't know what's happening with this information before it hits, you know, the signal server and their and their SGX uh, infrastructure. And so I'm trusting them to be like just directly throwing it at Intel SGX That I don't know what's going on other than that with my data. But at the same time, just that, that concern aside, which is a very simple and, and you know, not, not very technically um, uh, insightful concern, is it, in your view, a wise thing to do? Is, is that a scalable, a, a good long-term solution to base so many aspects of a, services privacy on Intel SGX that that one single technology I think Alexandra you mentioned that you have done some research in that in that area
3: uh, that's true um, generally that's right that um, putting you know security properties on piece of hardware such as Intel SGX extensions um, is not well received uh, in research community as well because you um, Uh, we have to trust uh, someone to basically not only implement it properly but also provide um, public key infrastructure. So, Intel SGX doesn't uh, provide security guarantees as such, but it relies on certain external uh, aspects. For example, uh, to make sure that uh, entity communicates with Intel SGX with the code executed within Intel SGX, then uh, we need to prove it, and such a proof is typically constructed through, uh, through uh, cryptographic signatures, and signatures can be verified uh, with the help of public-key infrastructure. And this public-key infrastructure is maintained in the same way as any other public-key infrastructure, which is, for example, used in the Internet. And we have seen a lot of problems uh, because, you know, Uh, certification authorities which issue those certificates get compromised and the same can happen with, you know, with uh, authorities managing uh, certificates for Intel uh, SGX infrastructure. But um, I think the concerns you were talking about that you can't really uh, guarantee that information uh, is not, uh, so to say, Um, used by any way until it reaches uh, SGX environment, I think here you could eventually, with technological uh, um, advances, which we currently have, you could actually make sure that it is the case. So you can provide guarantees that the code reaches encrypted, in encrypted form, your data reach Intel SGX, and then you can get uh, statement that uh, your data never leave SGX and uh, you know uh, they are properly handled. So as the user, or maybe not the user, because the user doesn't have a competence, but um, like the application of the user can make sure that this is executed as uh, as supposed to be exe- ex- executed and also get uh, cryptographic guarantees. Uh, however, another problem with Intel SGX or any other technology. Is that um, as any technology developed, it relies on certain assumptions, and the assumptions which are m- m- done for, for this technology, one of them is uh, absence of side channels because uh, side channels were believed uh, to hard to they were believed to be difficult to um, you know execute in practice. However, as we showed in our research, many other groups also showed that that this is not the case. Those attacks are low cost. Okay, they require a certain level of technical expertise, but they are available to techie attackers with low budget. And uh, if we have high value targets such as... um, You know, uh, enclave which executes uh, contact discovery of uh, messaging app handling billions of users, uh, there will be too many uh, very motivated attackers to break it. And this is a problem, and at the moment, this is not really a solved problem.
2: In uh, signals defense, uh, I should say that there open source enclave implementation is like uh, carefully programmed such that it is basically executing branch free and hides memory access patterns. so they made effort to uh, to avoid these side channel attacks but i think research has shown that there also exist side channel attacks that don't require such vulnerabilities in the enclave code to uh, extract confidential data
0: okay so sjx aside um, I'm wondering if you guys can talk about the potential mitigations, if any, like any sort of um, potential improvements or, or solutions that you propose in your papers. Like, What is the optimal framework that you think that WhatsApp and Telegram and Signal can follow? I know that you've already been in discussions with some of those teams, um, and I'm sure these discussions have also informed you on their practical limitations. Uh, real-world limitations, what it is that they can actually deploy in the real world, given the constraints that they have to work with. So based on those discussions, as well as your research, what would you say is the most appropriate uh, strategy that these services can take in order to uh, prevent large-scale contact discovery abuse? Uh, Christian?
2: Yeah. So when we talk about uh, preventing these crawling attacks, then the obvious quick fix for the providers would be to apply more strict rate limits. Um, So we see that, for example, Telegram has deployed rather strict rate limits with a total of 5000 contacts plus 100 additional per day, whereas uh, WhatsApp has these about uh, 60,000 contacts per day. So uh, we we don't we just don't think it's reasonable to assume that any regular person has uh 60,000 contacts in their address book. So we just recommend, uh, as the quick fix for these providers, to uh, reduce their rate limits to a, a reasonable number. And um, in case of WhatsApp, they told us that they see some companies or enterprises with uh, 200,000 employees and then they have big address books and so on. And we would just uh, suggest to move these kind of special customers to dedicated like accounts or apis uh, rather than uh, running them on the regular api for uh, personal use and uh, what is currently also available an option to users is to check their privacy settings so unfortunately with whatsapp for example all privacy settings are by default set to public so you automatically share your profile picture and uh, about text and so on so we highly recommend to users to just um, check these settings and uh, set everything to a more restrictive um, a reasonably restrictive uh, setting for example you can always limit it just to uh, for your own context to see and um, regarding the problem that your entire social graph is revealed to the service providers um, when uploading the address book, we would um, recommend the operating system providers like uh, Apple and Google to um, basically provide an extension for the address book applications such that you can set certain contacts to private and then don't expose these private contacts to messaging applications so for example when you add a doctor or a lawyer or something like that in your address book you just uh, uh, click the check mark private and then um, when you grant the, uh, the messaging app access to that address book it's just not exposed but that of course would require the uh, operating system vendors to deploy such changes and we uh, we try to reach uh, people at Apple and Google, but so far have not uh, received any kind of um, positive response in that regard.
0: That last idea is a great idea. I think that that's an idea that could very much work. Um, Apple in particular is very into this stuff. They always implement this sort of privacy stuff and also when you ask when WhatsApp or whatever application on iOS asks for access to your photos these days, if you're using the latest version of iOS, you actually can specify, I think, which photos to give it access to or which albums to give it access to. So it's not like they haven't considered this for photos, so I don't see why they wouldn't consider it for contacts. I think uh, Apple likes to piss off Facebook a lot, and uh, they've, they've they've done that uh, in ways that are more you know complex to implement. So... Um, um god bless them and And uh, i think i think that they can also do that here
2: yeah and you can also do this uh, like very nicely if you if you uh, enable this for whole contact groups. so if you have uh, you manage your contacts in groups so you have your groups doctors and lawyers so (laughs) i don't know i don't have any lawyer but um, if you can mark just entire groups as private then this would be like a very effective uh, measure so if anyone from Apple is listening, then <laughs> please consider implementing this feature.
0: Yeah, they should. That would be a really cool feature. Not only that, it's like in line with their user experience. It's in line with the way that other permissions work. And it's in line with all the stuff that they um keep doing and to improve their OS. And also it's also in line with pissing off Facebook, which is a shared common interest that Apple and I have. So I really, I really hope they do that. Uh, I, I think that Christoph and Alexandra both wanted to say something. Uh, Alexandra, go ahead.
3: I just wanted to add that additional countermeasure or not countermeasure but additional method which could improve situation would be for example dedicated identifiers. So we could, uh, in parallel to phone numbers, one could also use dedicated identifiers. And uh, um, depending on the use case, that could be very helpful because uh, um, if we look at the news, we we have seen that, uh, for example, uh, those privacy issues and messengers, they can put in danger like uh, groups, for example, groups of protesters which coordinate their activities to go to demonstrations, etc., and uh, this this kind of category of people, they would really love to have a way to, you know, not to have any binding between the phone number and their account because if someone has information about the phone number, they always can map it to real identity, especially when we st- we, we talk about uh, attackers such as, uh, you know, state-level attacker. They always can find this information and that would be definitely a useful extension could be considered by... Uh, message messengers and service providers
0: so that brings me to another question i want to ask but first maybe Christoph had something to say
1: yeah alexandra made a good point Um, i think uh, alternative identifiers uh, which you can specify yourself like a username like a twitter handle or something like this would, would be a good way to to sort of add um, uh, like a feature to, to to a messenger like whatsapp where you can say I, I don't want my phone number exposed i'm only reachable by this handle uh, and and this is something that for example telegram already allows you to do um, you're, allow, you're you're able to hide your phone number uh, from contact discovery on telegram um, and signal has hinted at uh, allowing these alternative identifiers in the future but uh, so far i haven't seen any information on when this is going to happen um, but this is also definitely something that can help a little bit Um, but it also as you've said at the beginning of uh, of this episode uh, phone numbers are used for a good reason because because it's basically a social graph that you have on your phone and uh, and then if you have alternative identifiers that you you need to know to talk to someone that sort of defeats the purpose of uh, contact discovery in in general because then it's not automatic you have to know something some pre-shared knowledge before so, th- so this is just something that can make the situation a little bit better for some people that uh, like have a certain risk associated with uh, them being exposed. Um, but in, in general, the the problem of uh, rate limiting uh, these contact discovery APIs is, is very complex um, because you have... You basically have two competing uh, problems. You have uh, one thing, uh, one privacy issue where you don't want to expose uh, the your contacts to the server. And on the other hand, you have the problem that you don't want other people to find you easily uh, to, to easily find millions of, of users. And and those two goals uh, somewhat contradict each other because you. Uh, uh, if you, if you want to hide your contacts from the, the server, then of course the server also can't see if you regularly change your contacts in a significant uh, way. You need some sort of metadata to figure out is this a regular user or is this an attacker who's abusing this, uh, this API? And, and somewhere there needs to be a trade-off between how much metadata do I collect about a user to see if he's uh, like benign or, or an attacker and, and, and also to uh, still not collect uh, an extensive amount of metadata. If you, if you look at um, uh, WhatsApp and Telegram, they have the, the contacts of all of the users on their server. So they can look at those and see, is there any irregular activity uh, signal doesn't have this feature because they don't have the data and so this limits them in the the amount of protection they can provide against these uh, enumeration attacks uh, and this is like a, this, this makes it a really complex problem because you're trading one privacy feature against another and i think what we really need uh, from a scientific perspective is is some way to combine these two things cleverly together to to reach something that is that is uh, better in in both ways
0: so that is very insightful. I mean, it's also true uh, that phone numbers are indeed used for a reason. Um, but phone numbers, we, we can agree, they, they kind of suck, right? Like, first of all, there's the entropy problem. Um, there's not a lot of phone numbers out there compared to other things like usernames or email addresses, which could be more, more plentiful, uh, theoretically. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been so hard to convince all of those services to move away from phone numbers um and also you know f- phone numbers uh, if we move away from phone numbers like is a twitter handle for example a good or an email address are these good things to move away to because phone numbers one of the reasons why they are so terrible is because we um uh, like uh, someone can use an mc catcher to basically uh intercept a a, a like uh, account reset sms right and then they own my phone number the government. Uh, can be assumed to have access to phone numbers fairly easily. You know, the 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 entire technology protecting GSM is not particularly advanced and the entire phone number architecture is fairly centralized and easy to manipulate regardless of its centralization uh, even. But, you know, if we switch to Twitter usernames, then twitter.com can can act as the phone company essentially. It's, just, it's even more centralized and even potentially easier to manipulate from the inside, even if not from the outside um, so why has it been so hard to move away from phone numbers? Should we move away from phone numbers? And if so, what, what is the best candidate, do you think, from phone, to move to from phone numbers?
1: So I, I think this is also um, a quite difficult uh, of, a, of a question because, um, for example, the, the thing that you have with phone numbers, uh, for example, in Germany, is that... Um, you need to actually provide your ID to get a new phone number. And, and this somewhat restricts, uh, restricts an attacker if uh, you want to, say, register 10,000 signal accounts to do a large-scale crawling. Uh, it's significantly easier, for example, with an email address. If you can register by email, this, there's like thousands of providers that give you uh, basically unlimited uh, email addresses that you could use to, to sign up. Um uh, so, so opening it up to to basically re- anyone can register without any sort of identification uh, can can also increase this one problem of of allowing uh, people to find other people on a large scale. But on the other on the other hand, it can also protect you um, because the the search space is just getting much bigger. But then the other thing that's that's into play here is that. Uh, attackers don't necessarily have to use random search for uh, to find users if you have a data leak for example which already has like 500 million phone numbers then you can use this to just see like to, to find additional information from from a bunch of services uh, and then this this increased entropy doesn't help you at all because uh, you already have the set that you want to
0: check but what do you think we should mu- move to though Uh, Maybe Alexandra has insights on this. Like, is there any medium that is better than phone numbers at all?
3: I think that maybe you could use a trade-off. I think uh, uh, phone numbers somehow provide a convenient solution for users, right? Because uh, dealing with um, external identifiers is difficult. Um, Like, how much time did any average user uh, spend to populate a phone book number? like a lot right and if we lose our phone and didn't copy it somehow it is a nightmare to restore it and we don't want to repeat it all over again with every messenger app we have and if we introduce new identifiers this is exactly what we are going to deal with so i think maybe the the most reasonable approach is to have a trade-off and say that like for um uh, they must be available as, um, you know, special feature. You can say, I don't want to be discovered uh, over the phone numbers. I want to only use identifiers. And then if you have higher privacy requirements, that then it would be available valuable feature for you. Uh, otherwise, now you would just try to go to, I don't know, probably you would go to another messenger platform.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And uh, I guess the last question, just to... Um, play devil's advocate. Is it really that bad? You know, like if uh, what is the worst that can happen with with the research that you've shown? So I am able to know who's using Signal, discover some uh, information about um, WhatsApp users and and see the profile photos of Telegram users and so on. So what is the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen, even if these um, services had no rate limiting and you could see all the phone numbers of people on Signal? So uh, what is the impact of, of stuff like this and why do we need to care about this stuff?
1: So uh, th- that's a very good question. And it's, it's, it's one that's asked in, in, in a lot of other uh, privacy aspects as well, right? It's like, what do we have to lose by providing this information? And um, I think the, the best uh, case that I can come up with is something that we also uh, write in our paper. Um, the the thing that you can find uh, millions of whatsapp users in itself may not be problematic but it's becoming very problematic if you can combine it with uh, some some other attack there was for example a, a whatsapp security uh, um, issue where you could uh, basically access all the contents of uh, of uh, people's phones by simply calling them and then exploiting this uh, this security leak and if you can combine these two methods, finding millions of users and then using a very simple exploit to take over all of their phones, then it becomes a very large scale problem. And, and then for me, that's basically the, the biggest reason um, to, to care about these things.
0: Well, can't I just assume that someone is on WhatsApp, basically? I mean, given given how many people use WhatsApp and also like uh, the most popular attack vectors on WhatsApp are actually attack vectors that work on both platforms because they exploit the common um Code shared between iOS and Android for WhatsApp, which tends to be the voice over IP library, which has been popped as part of uh, advanced uh, persistent threat, uh, um, you know, zero days, maybe like five or 10 times. Um, so are you like, maybe in the case of Telegram or in the case of Signal, you are learning something new, but in the case of WhatsApp, are you really... Well, well, of course, you can
1: argue about this uh, specific example, but this is just one of the examples that, that you can come up with, um, which uh, could be problematic. Um, the, the, you could also use the, the, this information uh, like who is on WhatsApp uh, to basically figure out what are actively used phone numbers. You can use them for, for spamming. You can combine the information that you get from WhatsApp and all, and all the other messengers um, uh, with other data that you get from other sources uh, and then basically do social engineering attacks and stuff like this. So uh, And that doesn't even... Uh, uh, and, and then you also have all of these problems that relate to, you know, uh, for example this uh, this thing that we uh, found about the hong kong protesters that were uh, identified uh, using telegram because they participated in a telegram group um, so so you can construct a lot of uh, examples that would be problematic and uh, if i can maybe turn this question around is that like why why should we uh, um, allow um, these these sort of problems if they could be prevented you know it's like um so so this is the maybe uh, also important question to ask in this context
0: indeed i strongly agree with you uh so uh, thank you guys so much for uh jumping on the show i try to keep episodes to a 40 minute limit i think we're but past that now um so uh, christian weinert uh, christoph hagen alexandra Dmitrienko, thank you so much for your time for working on this excellent paper published at the ndss symposium network and distributed system security symposium 2021 all the numbers are us haha <laughs> i get it it's a it's a it's a nerdy meme joke Um, large-scale abuse of contact discovery in mobile messengers Uh, we didn't have all the authors on the show because having five authors would make for a pretty crowded show that would be impossible to manage but they are christoph hagen christian weinert christoph sendner sendner alexandra dmitrienko and thomas schneider Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, anything to say before we sign off
1: I guess uh, also thanks from our side for having us. Uh, it was, uh, I think, very interesting for all of us to be here. And uh, I hope to listen to our episode and future ones uh, soon.
3: Also from my side, thank you, Nadim. It was nice meeting you, a nice conversation. I, I'm eventually very much impressed by how much knowledge you have about, you know, technologies. And uh, maybe next time we invite you to write the next paper.
2: It's <laughs> nice of
0: you to say. Thanks.
2: Yeah. So uh, we are always glad to kind of raise awareness for the privacy issues that uh, exist in current mobile messengers and think there are many more problems that need to be investigated and mitigated at some point. So we're looking forward to what the future brings.
0: And I'm looking forward to what the future brings by looking forward to the next episode of Cryptography FM. Maybe it'll be you who's on the show talking about your latest paper or cool project or interesting software. Um, If you want to talk about anything you think is cool, please send us an email and come on the show. Uh, We're always ready to talk about interesting and um, exciting new cryptography research projects and more. But whether you're a listener or an active participant, I hope to see you again next time on Cryptography FM.